This is episode 82 of the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and here as always with Mindy Kearney. Hi. Hello. Hello, How's how it going? are you? Good. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. It has been a little while. It seems like we meet up for podcasts and, and then we disappear for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yes. right, right. So what's new? Are you um, enjoying um, the snow we've had in October three times? Isn't snow interesting in October? Oh, gosh. It's horrible. We didn't have a fall at all. It just like went from hot to snowing in a week. <laughs> but I hear Halloween is supposed to be reasonably nice this is year it? So, well, good. in the 50s yeah yeah it's supposed to be good things today i think like almost high as 60 today right or 50 yeah. 50 or 60 today all of which is good because this morning <laughs> my furnace stopped working right. in the house as long as it's not freezing outside that's good for you guys for sure yes i'm hoping for a couple of reasonably good days so that yeah. we can just uh work our way through that until yeah. we get it fixed yeah better now than january Yes. Yes. Definitely. At least it's breaking now. Can you imagine? We've had that before, and it's horrible. So, haven't you had that too? Yeah. They always go out in the worst time, don't they? Yeah. It's like they, they never fail in the summer when you're not using your furnace. You well, know, of it's course. always well. In the maybe winter. they do, and you don't know until you turn it on. I don't know. Well, that could be true. Yes. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for some news and follow up? Let's do the news and follow up. Okay. So I'm going to click on your link here because I don't necessarily know exactly what. Oh. New set up your integrated Gmail for your organization. What's this? Well, this is what Google is calling it now because we've oh. been playing with this for the last few days. Oh, okay. Remember? So okay. Stacy turned this on for our select users in our domain. Right. Um, this is the new Gmail experience that we get, and Google are calling it the integrated Gmail experience. That's so, what they're calling it? Yes. I didn't know that. I didn't All know right. either. So I looked up to find a link for the show notes called yeah. the Integrated Gmail Experience, but Stacy turned it on and we logged in the other day and there was yep. a banner at the top of the screen that said, reload now for the yeah. brand new Gmail. And we're like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> should I Hesitantly, should I? we clicked refresh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? So um, we played with the chat yesterday, which is new. Is that what we're talking about? Is the new chat? Yeah. Why well, I think it's, it's okay. called Rooms. It's just called it? Rooms. It's called Rooms. Well, the app yeah. in the in the launcher is still called Chat. Well, we have Chat and we have Rooms now. Oh boy, I can't. I I'm looking over at mine okay. on the side here. So you've got Chat where you can chat with just like I guess individual people or even groups of people, but mm-hmm. the Rooms are different because you can. I think they're meant for like having like projects or things you can talk around and have a group of people together talking about a specific thing right and you can add files you can add Mm -hmm. tasks you can add different um threads in there too yeah it's an interesting new workspace if anything um because yeah stacy started it yesterday and she's like oh i'm gonna start tossing some stuff in here and then it'll always be in the files portion of this chat and to me, I'm like, golly, now I've got another spot that I need to look and keep track of. But it was yes. kind of nice in the, I don't know, I haven't, I'm sure it'll get better yet. But like, yeah, the multiple threads and, but all of the threads are actually in a line. It's not like they're tiles or something where you could click on the different thread to open that thread up. It's just all of them in a stream kind of. Yeah, and to be clear, I don't, this isn't rolling out to everybody right, right now yet. We're right. kind of previewing the the beta version of it, but we were playing with some of it yesterday, and I think it, there are some cool things, like you know when you put a link to a doc into the the room, mm-hmm. and then you've got this thing that says "Open in Room," and it keeps the the room chat on one side and the mm-hmm. doc on the other side. I think that's what you were kind of talking about yeah. last week when we previewed and you know teased this a little bit that it was coming. Yeah. So you know that's a nice feature to have, but it all works inside of your Gmail. Yeah. You still get the chat, you still get the doc, and then you could just flip back over to your mail if you wanted and send someone an email. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely been interesting. It'll be um, it it'll be interesting to see where it goes because like we have played with this. Forever ago, and now it's something else, whatever. I don't know. But we, you can, like, add bots and stuff that, like, you guys, like, trigger words and stuff. So if you, like, the other day I sent, like, an applause to Beth Swants just to see if the bots still worked, and they do. So 
there's these little bots that you can add in and they'll like send you, um, so I think it was like kudos, at kudos or something like that to at Beth Swans. And then it gave her like a little badge or something like that. So just kind of dumb stuff to play with. Yeah, if you've ever used um, Slack and things like yes, that. I right. think it's similar, similar to that. They have bots and stuff in Slack too. But um, I think it's just Google's way of trying to bring all your Googly mm-hmm. stuff together right. in one place and not think of it so much as just email and docs, but just think of it as a integrated workspace, if right. you will. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to talk more Google stuff later. Yes, we are. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, um, and I think this one would just slip through the radar for me, but Loom sure. for education. Okay. Uh, Loom is a screencasting tool, yep. which I think is a really good competitor now for uh, Screencastify. Yes, yep. I think we've talked about Loom before, we but have, yep. they, they basically relaunched and rebranded and they've got new logos and new programs and new pricing and all the rest now. But one of the things they have is uh, Loom for education, which is uh, specifically for teachers and educators mm-hmm. it basically gives you what used to be their pro account um, for free you can uh, create unlimited videos up to 45 minutes in length uh, you've got this personal library where they all get stored um, and you can share your videos out from your library or organize them into folders you can use some drawing tools. They have um, they've got a nice kind of call to action button, so that at mm-hmm. the end of the video, you can put something like "click here" and you can direct students or somebody to click there to go to a different place, so like "click here" to go back to Google Classroom, or "click here" to visit the website, or "click here" to fill out a Google form, something like that. So, if you have not tried Loom before, I think I would. Um, Mm-hmm. suggest you take a look at it it is completely free they have a chrome extension they have a mac desktop app and they have a windows desktop app mm-hmm. so you can use um any of those to get up and started and get running with loom you just have to fill in a form to get your uh educational license verified and then you will be good to go have you noticed that um and I don't I don't remember doing this so but I've noticed that now I have a Loom add-on in my Gmail. Yes, and that's one of the nice things about it. You can um if you've recorded a video before, mm-hmm. you can click the little Loom button and it will say record a new video or insert mm-hmm. your last recording. Yeah. So, yeah, if you just want to quickly email people. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of neat, especially since a lot of times I'll Get questions. I, for my job, it works really well because people will send me questions and I'm like, oh, it's just easier for me to create a quick screencast than it is to try and type out all the instructions or like find a link that shows you how to do this. So it would be kind of a nice thing just to open up that email and be like, oh, I'm just going to create a new screencast right here just like this. Yeah. Or even just hit reply on that email where they asked right. you something yeah. and then just hit record a new video. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Oh, yes. Text comments in Flipgrid. So this is brand new two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Well, as we recorded about two weeks ago. Yeah. So, um, and I guess I was kind of surprised. I didn't really know that this didn't exist. Did you? Until I saw that it was new and I'm like, you couldn't Correct. put text comments in before? I was, I guess I, it's not really what Flipgrid was built for. It's built as a video response. So maybe I just never paid attention, but I was kind of shocked when I, so that they were adding it, that it didn't already exist. It's like, oh. Yeah, gosh. I thought, oh, this makes so much sense. Why wasn't this in here before? <laughs> Why wasn't it in there before? Yeah. But, but the nice thing is you can also use Immersive Reader on mm-hmm. those text comments yep. as well. So that's built in. So just lots of different ways. And I think Flipgrid is just turning into the all-in-one right. uh, student response platform, mm-hmm. you know, where you can record videos or, you know, leave uh, audio and text as well now. So just mm-hmm. a great multimedia response tool if you um, have students that are maybe a little shy or hesitant about, you know, recording themselves, then yeah. text comments are definitely an option too. Well, and, you know, the examples here, like a text comment, I makes much more sense if it's a sentence than it does for you to create a video for, you know. 10 words or something like that. So it's a little bit about efficiency, I think, too. And it's easier sometimes to scroll through comments than it would be to watch four videos from your peers. So it's just a nice way to maybe utilize time instead of having to watch a gazillion videos. I think so, too. 
All right. So up next, serve to you piping hot. Yeah. The great Google Tips episode part uno. Part one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you really wanted to do this Google Tips episode but we're only doing not all of the apps. We're doing, oh, I'm going to count, one, two, three, four, five of the Google apps, right? Yeah, I thought it would be a fun thing, maybe just a, a little distraction. I, I know we've done a lot recently on you know, distance learning right. and COVID right. and all the rest, and that stuff is always going to be very pertinent and important mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. to teachers but maybe we just do a little distraction sometimes yes. podcasts are good for just uh, taking your mind off things sometimes right that we'd maybe do a fun episode so we're going to look at five google apps and we're going to try and throw in here some some tips some things you might not know some things you might have forgotten about or maybe just maybe some things you haven't tried before yeah sure um for each of these apps and if it works out all right and people like it then we can do part two and go through some of the other apps on there too so it's part one with a question mark part one yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> let's just call it that <laughs> all right so um first round is gmail okay i'm gonna let you take the first one it's yours um because i still don't do this you know this is one of those ones that um i knew about but i always forget about right <laughs> and that is to create a calendar event from an email because mm -hmm. quite often you'll get an email thread that goes back and forward like, hey, can we meet next week? Sure, what day? Friday. How about 12? How about 2? And then right. eventually you find it out and then you have to create a calendar event. Sure. So with that email open, um, there are three dots at the top of the page that will let you create an event. Mm -hmm. And it just opens up a new tab and conveniently it will add all the people who are on that email thread mm -hmm. as guests on the mm -hmm. event it takes the the content of the email, puts that in the description, which I think is handy and I should do this yeah. more often because I always make calendar events to see people and then I'm like, so what was I going to meet with oh, them boy. about or yeah. what was that we talked about? It's right. all there in the description. Okay. And it will try and um, find times and things um, from the email too if it can. Otherwise, you just choose the times and you hit save. Mm -hmm. So just a pretty simple, easy way to create a calendar event from an email mm -hmm. inside of Gmail. And you don't use that one. No, I don't. But I can't figure out why it is. Do you have to pop that email out into its own window to get that option? You have to just open the email so that right. you're viewing the whole thread. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the three dots at the top under the search bar. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. I should do that. I don't. I, I mean, I get why it's really time-saving, but not one of the yeah. things I do. Um. Okay. What is one of the things oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Okay. Good transition there. Um. So I know I've mentioned this before, and I thought it was interesting because someone just told me the other day that they do this now because I... um had mentioned that I do it is I really like inbox zero and um, I have not had, I just had inbox zero for the first time this last Friday, maybe less somewhere recently. And I hadn't had it since it's been a long time. And I finally sat down and went through my system of getting rid of emails and realized that I had so many things in my inbox that were either things that I wanted to read that people had sent to me Um that I just hadn't gotten to yet, which makes it look like your inbox is more full than it really is. Yep. Yep, it so does. what I do then is like for those emails, I'll look at my calendar and find a chunk of time that I don't have anything scheduled and I will snooze those emails until right before then so that they pop into my inbox. Um, and I might even put it in my calendar too, like, hey, you know, read blog posts or whatever. And so those pop into my inbox when it I have that time set aside to do that. Um, the other thing I do is once I, so I get lots of emails for professional learning. So I will um, snooze emails until like two days before that professional learning, just as a reminder. So I'll read through that thread just to make sure that I you know, have all of the components that I need or just kind of refresh my memory. It also reminds me it's coming up. 
it reminds me to maybe email them to touch base. Hey, I'm coming. Just want to make sure we're still, you know, on for this day. Here's what I'm thinking. So it kind of makes my email a little bit more fluid and helps me still maintain my same workflow without having a super cluttered inbox. So the way you get to inbox zero is yes. just by snoozing all your emails? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but I snooze oh, okay. them until I With a purpose. Yeah, so a lot of time. I mean, I use my – so this would be another thing to point out is that I often use my inbox as a to-do list, right? So once I've taken care of something, I can snooze it until I need it again instead of continuing to have it in my inbox and making it look like I have all these emails when I don't. So this is one that I – don't use and maybe mm-hmm. should use. Maybe it just doesn't fit with the system I use for processing right. email. But the one thing I usually hear from people about when I show them snooze is right. they're like, oh my gosh, what if I snooze something and it doesn't come back? Do you ever hear that? Or do you, you know, have you uh-uh. ever had problems with snooze or? Uh-uh. I haven't ever had problems with snooze. So in your Gmail though, there is a snooze tab. So you can always go back into your, that snooze section of your email and see all of the emails that you have snoozed. Okay. Which is over. Yeah. So there are times where I'm like, huh, I am, I might need to go look at that email again and I'll know that I have it snoozed. So, um, I don't know. I've never had problems with it. It's not coming back. I mean, if you, if you trust it to push send and that email is going, why wouldn't you trust hitting snooze and that it comes back? There you go. I, I'm, I'm going to say that next time. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trusting, it's sending. Yeah. Okay. What's your what's what's your next Google tip or Gmail okay. tip? My next Gmail tip then, I guess, is uh, to think about maybe experimenting with multiple inboxes or mm. the different types of the inboxes you can uh-huh. have on there. Because I think a lot of people just stick with the basic four tab thing with right. social and primary and. I don't even know what all those ones are now because I don't use that one anymore, but uh, the one with the tabs along the top. And there are other ways to Mm -hmm. sort and process email. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can try the important first, you know, where Google will try and um, sort your emails by what it thinks are the most important ones. Yeah. Uh, Some people like unread first, which um, is basically just a single inbox with unread stuff at the top. Right. Starred emails. Um, I use, whatever I use, I use priority inbox. Oh, Um, which kind of lets me have my unread stuff at the top and then I have labels underneath Mm -hmm. for things I need to work on. So I've got a label for uh, a label called action. You know, these are emails I need to do something with. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a label called waiting for, and these Mm -hmm. are emails I'm waiting for other people on. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then you can choose, and there's another one called multiple inboxes too, where Mm -hmm. you can, you know, have side by side views and things. So I don't know, just maybe think about, breaking out of your your box a little bit and looking at different ways to organize your email and how that might look on your screen. So what's it look like? Because, you know, like if you send an email, you'll get, um, it's like five days later or something like, hey, you haven't heard back. Do you want to follow up? Nudge. Is that what it's called is nudge? So then your it still shows up since that's in your inbox, right? Even if that yeah. email stays in your inbox, you still get that nudge. Yeah, that still okay. comes up on the top as like almost where my unread emails are at the yeah, top. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Okay. Nice. All right. All right. Okay. Um, one more. One more quickly then. It's okay. just, I don't know, to every so often I think people don't know how much is here, but if you right click on an email, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of stuff you can take action on emails from um, if you haven't done that recently. You know, sometimes you see an email come in and it's like, okay, thanks. And you can see that without opening the email. So, yeah. you know, you can right click and reply, forward, archive, delete, mark is read, snooze, you know, label it, do a search for people um, with that, who sent you that email. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think the right click is sometimes neglected as well. A yeah. Little bit too. So, I'm going to put you on the spot because I don't use this, but I know there are lots of people who do use it. Do you mm. archive or not archive? I archive everything. Do you? Just so, about, yeah. I feel like I archive everything, but I archive it under my labels instead of. So, every email, unless it's complete trash, yeah, gets labeled into its own spot. So, okay. I have like three million labels. I don't label everything. Oh, and I sure. label everything. So yeah. is is that is that the same? I mean, is that 
I always it's still feel an, like, still an archive in them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the thing about it to me is that if I label it, then I know exactly, like I'll know, I just know what my labels are, right? Because a lot of times it's by school district or by project or by team or something like that. So then if I'm looking for an email, I just know to go into that label. But if yeah. I just archive it, I don't know. That makes sense. Sometimes I... Yeah, because I, I only use two labels. You only use two labels? Yeah. Everything is either something I need to do or something I'm waiting for. I don't organize all my my archive for like going back and finding like a specific... I, I don't filter by schools. I just search for the name of the person and and find stuff that way. But How's maybe that that's not as efficient as it could be. Most of the time it's fine. Yeah. I mean... Most of the time is fine. Huh. Interesting. Only two yeah. labels. I, I bet I have I bet I have I bet I have thirty five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I could find you an email in almost thirty seconds. Yeah. I mean I used to have filters set up where like every email I got from for instance at crschools.us yeah. got labeled CR schools because oh, yeah. that was you know, and then I, mm-hmm. I would have all my C Rapid School emails labeled with that label but i don't i don't know i found mm. it wasn't really something i worked with or used yeah. so i yeah, right. got rid of those yeah. wow hmm aren't you something okay round two ding 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 all right round two calendar calendar what we got here? um i don't know this first one is not mine i'm gonna okay. s- i'll skip to mine how about that sure. did you go first last time okay um, so I have turned on my desktop notifications. So, um, the nice thing about desktop notifications is that it gives you, um, like this silent reminder. So it's kind of like a slide in notification and it slides back out. So you can have it as a silent notification. It also will ding for you and give you a 10 minute warning before your meeting. So I find that right now that's really nice because, mm-hmm. We're doing a lot of Zoom calls and stuff like that. So I can sometimes get caught up in my work and then look at the clock and be like, oh my gosh. So that's when the sound is really nice to have on. Um, so the desktop notifications, I don't think I could live without. The other thing that I would say um, to go along with notifications is that you can go into your settings and do like a general notification for every event that you put in. But one thing that I do like for um, birthdays especially is that I will go in and give myself a one-week reminder because then it gives me time to get a card or a present or whatever. I have lots of nieces and nephews. So it'll give me a one-week reminder and will email me like, hey, it's going to be Ike's birthday next week. Time to get a card, right? Or time to get Mm -hmm. a present. So you can go in and um, when you make your actual event and – change notifications outside of your general notification setup that you have. So it might always be a 10 minute notification, but like for something like that, you can go in and choose how much in advance you'd like to be reminded of that event. And I find that it has saved me quite a few times. It has saved me as well. (laughs) Um, I have desktop notifications on, but I don't have the ding. You don't have the ding? No, I don't know if I had to turn on the ding Hmm. or not. Ding dong. Huh. You so, probably turned it off. I think I probably it probably, did. I think it comes on. I mean, I don't think you have to turn that sound on. I think it's automatic. Okay. Hey, well, let me tell you about something that was brand new to me until I saw this yesterday because I was looking for Google Calendar tips mm. and Calendar's not one of those things you think, oh, there's so much stuff that people don't know about because it's uh-huh. like it's Calendar. Right. I mean, did you know about speedy meetings? No, I'm waiting for you to tell me about it. I don't know what this is. All right, so when I went into my calendar settings um, yesterday, Mm -hmm. I was just hitting the gear button at the top and hitting settings. I came down to event settings, Mm -hmm. and they have something called speedy meetings. Okay. And speedy meetings are a way to encourage you to end your meetings early. Oh, I have seen this. Yes, yes. You know how you have this like default time Mm -hmm. where you can create an event. It's either 30 minutes or an hour or something like that. Yes. If you check check the box that says speedy meetings, Mm -hmm. then your default event is only like 25 minutes instead of 30 Mm -hmm. or 50 minutes instead of an hour, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. So to me, I think you should always set your meeting for 30 minutes, but then always give done five minutes early people like you better yeah (laughs) but if you tell them it's going to be done in 25 minutes then what 
Then you might get done in 20 minutes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I might try this in speedy yeah. meetings and see how that gets on. Because, I mean, yeah. how many times or recently have you had, like, back-to-back Zoom calls? Oh. Someone's like, mm-hmm. can you do a Zoom at 2? I'm like, yeah, I've got another one at 1, but I'm, I should be done by 2. And then that meeting finishes it back-to-back. And yeah, you have right. no transition time. You right. have no time to get up and yeah. use the bathroom or get a drink right. or something. Yeah, and right. We are all humans. We need we need yeah, some, we need to some move transition away time. from the screen. Right. Yep. It's like back when you were doing com- parent teacher conferences and you had parents back to back the whole oh, time yeah. and you had no break in Brutal. between. And usually one runs long and then, you know, your whole evening runs long because everybody's right. run just that little bit longer. So absolutely. Speedy meetings is what I found in the settings. <laughs> I that like was it. an interesting one. I like it. So um, then I saw this and I'm like, oh, this would be super nice. So you can, and I don't have it set up, but I should, is that you can ask like, oh, I should ask my Alexa if she can tell me what my events are today. I don't have that well, set you, up. You though. can't say the word because, you know, you're going to set off everybody else's hey, Alexa. devices. I know. I like to do it. I think it's funny. Order some toilet paper. You know? yeah. <laughs> Get me some toilet paper. All yeah. right. So how do you do this? It has to be within the app, right? So, yeah, if you use Alex, if Alexa, you use the, say it. yeah, if you use <laughs> Amazon's virtual assistant or mm-hmm. Google's virtual assistant or yep. Apple's virtual assistant, sure. you can connect your Google Calendar to these uh, devices. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you know, if you, I don't know, forget to add an event or you just want to add an event on the fly, either maybe when you're driving or you're in the kitchen or you're somewhere else, you can... Um, do that with these virtual assistants or just have them tell you what's on your calendar for the day. I sometimes do that mm-hmm. on my way to work and I'm like, mm-hmm. I know the first thing I'm doing, but what, what else am I, am I doing, doing today? And then I will ask the um, Apple assistant to oh, sure. um, tell me what's on my calendar today hmm. and nice. it will read out what I've got going on. So. so even your Apple device will read your Google calendar as opposed to re- reading your Apple calendar, huh? Hmm. Yes, because it's synced. My Google Calendar is synced to the Apple Calendar oh. on my phone. So it so, will read your yeah. Apple Calendar still. It's just that they're synced up. Yes. Yes. Got it. Okay. I don't think I have mine synced up anymore. In Apple CarPlay, mm-hmm. there's now a calendar app so that if you have um, an address or a location for your next event, mm-hmm. you can tap on it and then um, it will bring up directions to your next event or you can say navigate to my next event and it will take you there navigate to my next event nice yes all right end of round two correct okay on to round three which is a google drive all right well i know you're gonna ask me lots of questions about this one and i don't have lots of answers for you but (laughs) (laughs) Google Drive shortcuts is something I thought we should just at least talk about. I feel like they're a hot mess. They are a hot mess. I really don't know why they did this, but it's something we got to live with right now because um, before we used to be able to put one file in two or three or four or five different folders and it would live in those places. And they took that away and replaced it with these Shortcuts. So a shortcut is a link that references another file or folder. Mm -hmm. You can use shortcuts in your drive or in a shared drive. They are visible to everybody who has access to that folder. And uh, they point back to the original file so that you always have the latest information. So if if you going forward Which is the same as that was before. It just now is like super cumbersome because they changed just the ability to click on it and do control Z and be done. But now you yes. got to like, I don't know. It's just dumb. I feel the same way about the sharing permissions in Google Docs. It's like extra clicks now as opposed to fewer clicks. I don't understand. Yep. So, Ugh. I mean, it, I think it's one of those things you, you're just going to have to deal with yeah, and right. get used to and somehow become comfortable with. And just when you do, Google will probably change They'll it back to it. the way it was before. Be like, well, that really sucked. So now we're yeah, going back. Nobody liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah, no, we know. Yeah, so you can right-click on any file inside a drive and then um, add a shortcut to drive and then Mm -hmm. decide to have that in a different place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. The only things that go wrong with it would be um, the shortcut will break if you don't have permission to open the original file. Mm -hmm. So if you put the shortcut in a folder that someone has access to but they don't have access to the original file, then they'll see the shortcut but they won't be able to open the file. 
which is confusing for people. Mm -hmm. And if the original file is in the trash or gets deleted, and your shortcut will not be deleted, but you'll click on the shortcut and nothing will work. So like, this is in someone else's trash. Oh, great. Yes. So shortcuts. <sighs> okay. Um, so I'm still using Priority Drive. Are you mm -hmm. using Priority Drive these days? Have you gotten on no, the bandwagon or not? Okay. No. So the nice thing, I feel like Priority Drive allows you to have, um, so kind of coming off of shortcuts a little bit, Priority Drive is a spot where it's a kind of a landing area within your drive where you can put documents and slides and sites, any Google-like things um, on this Priority Drive. And you can only have 25 things, I think, which actually I just ran into the other day and they're like, you can't put anything more on here. And it was all my blended learning stuff from just this year, which meant I just needed to look at it and be like, oh yeah, I don't need six of these things right now. Um, so because with like a team, not always all of the stuff lives in the same place like it would in a folder, um, because you can also put things that are owned by other people that I don't think even are necessarily part of your drive in there. Can that be right? I happen to look something up like a hyperdoc or something. I came across somebody's hyperdoc and it showed up then when I was adding stuff into my priority drive, you can add multiple files at once. And it was like, oh, my recents, here are these hyperdocs you looked at when you're on the internets. Hmm. So I could add other people's okay. stuff on there. I thought that was interesting. Um, but I think it just helps me from having to have so many tabs open. I feel more comfortable closing tabs if I, you know, I'll put on my priority drive and I'm like, oh, once I go in here, all of these, you know, projects, docs are all in one spot. So, um, cause I hate having a gazillion tabs open. That's not my workflow. I don't do that very well. So. I think the only reason I don't use it is because I forget it's there. I yeah. think I, if I change my workflow a little mm -hmm. bit, I would be able to put it there. I mean, we could have a, a podcast. Mm-hmm priority drive space if we wanted i guess yeah. well i guess we never been there and google obviously like it because it's it's at the top of the list it's yeah. above my drive and yeah. I, sometimes <laughs> i click on it by me. mistake and i'm like wait that's not my drive and I'm like, yeah so the only yeah. thing i wish that you could do is add a google keep note and at least maybe you can and i just haven't realized how to do that yet um or that you could share your priority drive with someone else mm. i think that would be nice but those would be good tips yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, what else you got? Well, I got something else that was uh, pretty brand new to me, and I, it might not be brand new to you, but okay. I thought I would share it and see if you know what this is okay. or if you've done this before. Okay. So on the dock there for our show notes, there's something that says example. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. Click on that example. It should open a PDF mm -hmm. because I didn't know that you could kind of collaboratively comment oh. and leave examples on a pdf inside the google drive now i didn't know that either so if you look in the top right hand corner yeah. where the menu bar is on your pdf mm -hmm. you'll see like a, a comment button a plus button if you uh, click that little guy up there it tells you to highlight an area to comment on mm -hmm. and then you just click and drag around something that you want to do and it will add a little comment window over on the side hmm. And you can have students, you know, collaboratively yeah. working on a document together, leaving comments, or you could assign them certain things to look for. Maybe you assign the PDF to five students and right. one's looking for author's purpose and one's looking for examples of metaphors and, sure. or something else. Or maybe you are, you know, going over your um, unit of work with some, some other teachers and you want to go through and highlight and say, mm -hmm. hey, what things are working and not working. So. Mm -hmm. You can add comments on to a PDF and have a you know a collaborative conversation. You can reply to each other's comments and things mm -hmm. on there. So I don't know. I thought this was interesting. Yeah, I didn't know Worth that sharing. existed. Good one. So I don't think it's going to replace like actively learn or anything like that. No. But if you want to mm -hmm. go through a PDF and yeah. leave some comments and stuff on there, you mm -hmm. can do that inside of Google Drive. Yeah, interesting. All right, so my last um, tip for Drive, and I feel like I've said this before too, but just because something's been shared with you doesn't mean you have to add it to your own Drive. So um, I feel like, especially in our positions, we lots of people want to share lots of stuff with us, and I don't necessarily want everyone's stuff. So 
One of the things that I will do is um, I will just star that document instead of adding it to my drive. So up in the left-hand corner, there's a little star. I click on that and keep it in my star documents until that project is over or whatever. And during that time, I might decide I need to add it to my drive because the ideas have changed or, you know, the purpose for me has changed. And so I'll add it to my drive. But just because someone shares something with you doesn't mean you have to actually take possession of it into your drive. And I feel like that helps people. It helps me stay more organized and there's less junk in my, and I don't mean it junk in a bad way, but there's less stuff in my um, drive that I come across that I'm like, what, what is this? What is this thing? I don't even know what this is. Um, because there are plenty of times that I go into my Google drive and I'm searching for something and the least amount of hits helps me find that more quickly. So if I have all this stuff that doesn't belong to me and I don't know what it is, it slows the process of searching for something way down. So, um, I use starred documents a ton Um, and then I just, but I'm, because I use it a lot, I also go in and I take stars off of stuff. So, um, stars can, your start area can become just as cluttered as your Google drive if you don't ever go in and unstar things. So there you have it. Good tip. Um, and just to clarify, you can't technically add files from your shared drive anymore. You have to add a shortcut to your drive. From shared from your shared drive? Yeah, you used to be able to say, you know, add to my drive, but now it's add a shortcut to my drive. Mm. So you, yeah, because that's another thing you sometimes get with people who are new to Google Drive. They're like, right. how do I organize this shared with me thing? I want all of this stuff yep. out of here. Yep. And it's like, no, you just you yeah. just ignore that. Like it just, it's a wasteland. <laughs> don't go in there. Yeah. <laughs> don't go in there. Don't worry don't about it. There. Don't freak out. Just don't go in there. Unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unless you know what you're doing and specifically what you're looking for. Um, But yeah, shared drives, I still feel like is something I don't want to use. All right. Round four, Google Slides. Um, Let's see. Oh, so um, recently we've been showing people how to create a table of contents in slides. And this is probably a repeat from somewhere in the last few years, but... Um, once you create, uh, when you go to create a hyperlink in Google slides by using a text box, type in some text, um, and you, when you highlight that to add a hyperlink to it, right in that little preview menu, right below where the text is, it'll say slides in this presentation. And so you can click on that and there's a little carrot there and it'll drop down all of the slides that you have. Um, and so you can create a link to another slide in your Google slide deck. The reason I have used this, I think so much more recently is because I find that sharing slides in a slide deck is sometimes overwhelming because you can see all of the slides, but you don't necessarily know what you what it might look like or what it is. So I think a table of contents is nice because it helps people navigate what might be 30 slides. And the nice thing about the slides is that it's a much more visual experience, but it also means you've got to thumb through a lot more stuff. So think about that on your user end for your students. Um, just creating a table of contents would help them navigate more quickly through the content or um, even showing them how to do it if they're using slides as a portfolio or something like that, it will help you navigate through their work more quickly too. So if there's one specific thing you're looking for, you don't have to thumb through all of those slides. You can just use their table of contents. Yeah, and I think when you start to get into things like, you know, personalized learning and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, you know, you want students to jump to the part that they need for their learning, Mm -hmm. and that can help with that a lot. Yeah, right. Nice tip. I like it. Make a kind of interactive presentation. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to sh- share one that's going to sound really kind of, um, I don't know, about petty or mm. OCD mm. Or, or something like that. Mm. But um, something I've been using a lot recently are guides okay. in Google Slides. Okay. Now, if you click on the ruler 
either along the top or down the left of a Google slide presentation, mm -hmm. you will see an option that says add a vertical guide or add a horizontal guide. Okay. And it gives this um, kind of virtual line that you can drag vertically or horizontally along oh, yeah. the slide. And I use that a lot to mm -hmm. align um, content mm -hmm. uh, to make sure my pictures and my text and everything are lined up mm -hmm. in a way that is pleasing to my eye because right. I spend too much time in my presentations making sure everything is lined up perfectly. Right. And this helps line things up perfectly right. quicker because uh, you can always know if it's uh, this picture is in line with this text or, or mm -hmm. whatever. And then you can just click up there on the ruler and you can click show guides to turn them off and they go away again. So so one thing, and maybe maybe this is a little bit different when you have them on like all that, because you know, they'll snap into place. Like those will pop up, right? When you're, when you put yeah. anything in, they'll pop up. But one thing that I would say about that, that maybe is just an additional tip is like, if you're adding text, you want that text box to be tight around your text. Because if you've got like it caddy, like if wide on one side, um, when you go to center it, it centers like the text box. It doesn't actually center the text inside the box. Yeah, correct. So you yeah. want to make sure your text box fits your text pretty snugly so that when you go in, it actually plops right where you want it to plop as opposed to like three inches off to the right-hand side or something. <laughs> like, why doesn't this yeah. look right? Oh. I know. And things like that do stick out to me, and I'm yeah. like, and they they annoy me. So yeah, I I like the guides just to make sure everything is lined up the way I need it to line up. But then my yeah. my displays in my in my classroom were like that. I used to have things, you know, some teachers would Down just like throw things inch. on the wall, and it was like there. But no, mine were all like you know perfectly lined uh, up and evenly spaced, and and all the rest. Me too. Yeah. Who would have thunk it? Mm, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> all right. Um. Okay. This one I have. Um. That you can't, and this is one that I feel like we've talked about too, but in your Google Slides, you can share the presentation mode of it without actually publishing it to the web by taking out the edit in the URL and putting present instead and sharing that with your students. So if you want the full screen experience for your students, instead of having to publish it to the web, you can just do present. I don't know that there's anything here nor there about one way or the other. I just know that a lot of times I hear people say like, well, I don't want it published to the web. Like it makes them kind of nervous. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but no one's ever going to see it <laughs> unless you're sharing the there link. It's not like they're going to, people are going to search for it unless it becomes like viral. Um, and then maybe, but um, I just think that people are a little bit more uncomfortable clicking the publish to the web as opposed to just putting present in the edit mode. So yeah, and the nice thing about that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it still lets you view your tabs as well. Yes, yep. So like, if mm -hmm. you click the present button, it goes full screen and it blocks out everything else. Because I, mm -hmm. I had this question recently from someone that was, they wanted to do a screencastify and yeah. they wanted to record their slide deck, but they said, mm -hmm. every time I hit present, it goes full screen and then I can't find the screencastify button. Yeah, right. And I'm like, so if you change the URL to present, then, you know, you're going to see that tab. And yeah. then you can also click through other tabs as well if there's mm -hmm. other things you want to show outside your presentation. So yeah, right. That's a good tip. Yep. And the other thing I would say in addition to that is if you publish it to the web, some people do prefer to have that ability to thumb through. So, I mean, you could always say to them, I mean, I could look at a URL and know whether or not it's published to the web or whether I could change it or not. So I feel like they could go in and take present and put edit instead and flip it back in reverse, right? Uh, yeah. Right? If they had permission to access the and they file, sh would it should have work. to have at least permission, viewing permission anyway. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, should work. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our last and final round, which is going to be Google Classroom. We've got a couple of things to talk about in Google Classroom. Okay. Well, I don't have anything to talk about with Google Classroom. You do have things to talk about in Google Classroom. <laughs> because one of the right. things we get asked a lot is, how do you organize your Google Classroom? I know. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess, 
you know, the last time – I haven't t- actually talked to Google Classroom for um, a while, although I felt like I was living it there for a month and a half and, like, dreaming about it at night. But um, <laughs> yeah. one of the things that I think is kind of an interesting idea, and I think we've talked about this too, is that um, at the top of your um, – it would be learning materials, right? Is that where the labels go, topics go? Materials, yeah. Yes, that you should have a today topic at the top and then plop everything that students will need for that day right there mm. at the top. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably, I mean, I know we weren't going to talk about COVID, but I think it's really great idea, especially for now. If you've got kids that are, you know, remotely learning, and here in Iowa we have kids that are face-to-face, we've got kids that... We've got schools that are remote. We've got some kids that have chosen. So our kids are all over the place right now. There is no consistency probably from building to building and district to district. Um, But if you've got students that are remotely learning, that having a topic where all of the day's materials are for them, I think would really help um, keep them on track instead of having to dig through the stuff that they need. So that would be one of my tips, I guess, for Google Classroom. Yeah, I like that too because I mean, I mean, some of these are on here that are saying you know you can sort by week, but right. you can drill that down even further and just yeah. do it by day because mm-hmm. the nice thing about classroom is you can drag and drop all those materials and assignments into different topics as you need them. So at the end of the day, you wouldn't take much just to drag them down to week one or something right. and make that like an a week one archive sort of thing yeah. almost, and then just put tomorrow's up there at the top for mm-hmm. the today yep, platform right, so right. yeah sort by sort by dates sort by units um some people sort by subjects and mm-hmm. topics um there's an example here from matt miller where he talks about sorting by subtopics and i got asked that the other day like could i do a topic inside a topic and you can't really but right. what you can do is you can say like chapter one lesson one sure. is the first topic and then do chapter one lesson two is right. the next topic and you know after a while that does get you know kind of lengthy mm-hmm. um matt miller also has a has a tip about using emojis yeah, right. on there too as little tags just visual reminders mm-hmm. of what some of those things might be so well and the nice thing about that too like with emojis if you have um in your learning materials where students get to choose some of those things or they can look at the um the name of that material or whatever and know right away like oh this is a video or this is um you know some reading they can help maybe manage their time to like oh i don't have time for a video right now or i didn't bring my earbuds today so i can't watch the video but i could do the reading so it kind of helps them maybe choose and work through some of that stuff more efficiently as well i don't know yeah, and I'd maybe think about, I think we mentioned this in the last episode about, you know, your learning materials that you're having students watch. There's no reason why you couldn't put that all in like a Google slide deck or something. Exactly. You could put videos in there, playlist, yeah. put, you know, text in there, links to websites in there. Mm-hmm. And that's just one link on your Google yeah, Classroom right. to go to that one place. And then mm-hmm. it's less overwhelming on Classroom to see a link to a website, a link to a video, a link yes, to right. all the rest. So yeah, thinking about that. Um, so... And then at what point do you just say, all right, I need a new Google Classroom? Yeah. Do you do that every semester? Yeah. Do you do that every quarter? Yeah. I mean, it might just depend on how much you use it and how old your kids are and, and stuff. Well, like and that whether too. or not you switch kids too. You know, if you've got kids that yeah. are in and out or being mixed around and stuff, I mean, you're clearly going to have to start a new class. Or, I mean, we've got people who share classes too and stuff like that. So it really is, I think, about thinking through the workflow of it. But I think anytime you really have to start start sifting through stuff to find what you need or I don't know, those streams get I feel that way about Seesaw too sometimes. Like, oh my gosh, this stream goes on forever. The journal goes on forever. Yeah, I would totally say that too. This <laughs> is maybe a related tip, but turn off those notifications yeah. in the stream because every time you post like a new assignment or new material, I think by default that pops up in the stream, but you can silence that and turn that stuff off so it doesn't appear there mm-hmm. because then kids sometimes get in the habit of looking for things in the stream. And once yeah. you're in there, you will drown quickly yeah. in that stream because there the is just no organization, yeah. nothing. Yeah. It is a right. total mess. Yeah. So yep. um, save the stream for announcements yeah, and right. important things like that. Right. 
Uh, one more thing for Google Classroom, and yep. I just happened to find this uh, on YouTube the other day. I saw a video from Mickey Mueller. Mm-hmm. She was uh, doing uh, online discussions inside yep. of Google Classroom, and mm-hmm. that's that questioning uh, option. And I don't think I see that as often as maybe um, I would expect to see it sometimes. Teachers don't always take advantage of this one, but it's a way for students to have some discussion around a topic. They can reply to each other. They can see each other's responses. You can grade it if you want to grade it. So it's kind of a nice thing to to do on there. And from my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mindy, but when the student replies to the question, they don't see the answers of the other students until they've replied. And then there's a button that says, you know, see... Um, other students replies and then they can click that and then see other students replies so you can set it up in a kind of a typical reply and then comment on two other people sort of thing and they can go in and right to all the kids too. i think that's a setting though right like it doesn't have to be that way wouldn't you isn't that right doesn't that, have I, to. I think you turn that on or turn it off i don't know what it defaults yeah. to but i think that's a setting you could turn on or off because i think it's okay too for kids to see each other's responses before they form their own response but that's my soapbox. I need my yeah. soapbox. Might just depend there. on your purpose and the type of question you're asking on right. there. Yeah. So. But yeah. that's why I feel so. like it is something you can turn on and off. But maybe that's changed too. I don't know. So it's a good video. I will yeah. link to it in the show notes and you guys can take a look at it. So All right. I think that rounds up all our Google tips for all now. All the tippies. All the tidbits. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So up next... Tech Nuggets wants to go for yeah, Tech Nuggets. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um, I can go first. Okay. This, mine, mine are quick this week. Okay. Um, my first one is CNN 10. And this is something my daughter watches oh. at school in oh, social nice. studies. Her social studies teacher uses this, so I didn't know about it before then. Mm-hmm. But it's um, done by CNN. Mm-hmm. It's 10 minutes of news, and it's kind of focused at middle school-ish, uh, high school-aged kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, they just do a 10-minute summary of what's going on in the news, uh, the big stories. And usually they'll try and finish with something light and fun as well, because as we well know right now, the news is not always very light or fun, but um, it's just a 10-minute video every day from CNN 10 where you can uh, get a summary of the news. They put all the videos onto YouTube. As a teacher, you can uh, sign up for um, a daily email where they will tell you what's coming up in terms of the stories for this week. Uh So you can preview them ahead of time and think, you know, one, are these appropriate or two, are they relevant? But if you're a social studies teacher, maybe take a look at uh, CNN 10 if you haven't tried that before. Nice. Um, So I have been, so uh, we are working right now on a page for the blended learning website that is blended learning during the time of COVID and um, kind of some quick wins from the fundamentals or foundational skills of blended learning and how to use them during this time. So uh, one of those things, of course, is playlists. And we've already talked about playlists on the podcast. But so I was looking for um, some examples of playlists for um, elementary kids. And I came across Nadine Gilkinson's HyperDocs. Um, and where I found those is, and I know I've mentioned this before too, is T's give T's. So T-S gives T's and it's a great hashtag on Twitter to check out things that teachers are sharing freely with one another. Um, and she's got a Google doc landing page of all of the different, um, Google slide, uh, lessons that she has put together, that kind of follow that hyperdoc format of, and I'm not going to get all of these right immediately, but there's like apply, extend. There's something, of course, before apply, but I can't think of what it is. Engage, engage, apply, extend. Is that right? Um, but lots of things already there that she is sharing with people. And so you just click on the little image of um, the slide deck that she's created and it makes your own copy, and you can go in then and edit it as you see fit, or add to it, or share it with your kids. I'm looking at these now, oh, and yeah. it says explore, explain, explain, apply, create. Okay, there you go. So yeah, these these look great. Yeah, there's a lot of great templates on here, and yes, they're just available for you to use to mm-hmm. go file, make a copy, and yep. make them your own. Yep. 
So that was found on Tees Give Tees. Um, the other thing I would say about those slide decks is they're fantastic. There's a lot on there. So don't feel like you have to do all of those five steps. Um, if you're just getting started, maybe start with the first three instead of going all the way to, um, you know, extend or, exp and, or create or something like that. Just get started with them and continue to build. The nice thing about it is all the stuff is there. So you can yes. choose which slide you want to share with your kids or um, delete the ones out that you don't want to. Um, and feel free to, you know, take some of that stuff off too. There's a lot on there. But what I'm assuming is that she's worked with her students, so they use those very efficiently and effectively, um, and they know what they're looking for. So it's not something that you just toss out to your kids, but definitely uh, something to kind of take a look at and reuse. So thank you for to Nadine for sharing those things out. Yes, thank you, Nadine. She has good taste in gifts. Oh. Lots of great gifts on oh. those two. <laughs> I was just exploring some of those. <laughs> All right. Uh, my second tech nugget is one that I had to ask Mindy if we talked about this before. <laughs> right. It's been on a list. I have a list of tech nuggets. I'm like, should I do these? And the list is getting really small. Yeah. And uh, there's no reflection on this tip. It's just one that mm -hmm. I never got to for whatever reason. So it's called bow clips. Mm -hmm. If you have not tried bow clips, it is similar to uh, one that uh, Mindy shared recently, which was called Class Hook. Class hook, yes, class hook. Mm -hmm. Someone's class hook. So it's a video repository for teachers. They have over 2 million videos and they are all short form clips that are curated, copyright cleared, and ready for the classroom. They have 200 content partners that include things like PBS and Discovery and Smithsonian and Learnzillion and Bloomberg. All these people are contributing videos um, for this platform. Covers over 40 different academic subjects and all age levels. So if you are just looking for good quality uh, videos that you don't need to worry about copyright for, then Bow Clips is a free resource that you can dive into and take a look at here. You can filter through by by subjects and things that you want to, to look at or just do a search for some different topics. But um, bowclips.com. Plop those into a playlist. Off you go. There you go. Yep. All right. So um, my last one is one I don't know much about, but I do know that we have a school district that's using it because I saw it on their Facebook page. Um, it's something called closegap.org. And so um, what it is, is an, um, it's a social emotional check-in for students that they do every day. And they can ask, um, they can let someone know like maybe they didn't get a meal in the morning or that they want to uh, check with and have a conversation with an adult during the day. Um, so it gets all of this information gathered about kids so that they um, adults can quickly respond to the needs of students, which, I mean, we've talked and talked and talked about how crazy things are right now that we really need to be taking care of our kids' social-emotional health above everything else. So um, I know that they're using it, and I know they're getting lots of great information um, about it. So a couple of things that I looked into before I shared it today was I wanted to make sure that student privacy was all, so it's it's Follows FERPA, COPA, it should be good to go there. It's a free platform um, for students and um, teachers, guidance counselors. So students can only be enrolled in the program either A, through their parents or B, through their school. So students don't create their own accounts or anything like that. It's all um, added by adults only. So it might be something to look into. I know we're trying to find ways to connect with our students and make sure that they're letting us know what they need from us. And when you have all of these students walking into a building every day, that might be really hard to do. So it might be just something to look into um, as a school and, and see if it fits the needs of um, your school district. But I wanted to share that because I thought it was something that I hadn't necessarily heard about before. Yep, looks like a good one. I'm just scrolling through their website here. So lots of good resources and ideas uh, for that emotional wellness, which is something that is... Definitely very relevant right now, mm -hmm. especially if you come into these dark winter months. Yeah, right. Oof. Yeah. 
All right, so I think that about uh, sums up everything we did today. Okay. If you enjoyed our Google Tips podcast, um, send Mindy a tweet on uh, Twitter <laughs> and let her know. And then, I hey, maybe that it. part one, <laughs> maybe that part one question mark will be part two next time, oh, and we can go back and visit some more apps and uh, mm-hmm. and see what else is on there. Yeah. If you want to email us, you can email us podcast at gwaea.org. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Wiley. Mindy is at Team Carney. And are you still on the uh, the old Snapchat as well? No, I haven't been. You know, I am still no. personally on Snapchat. I haven't right. sent a lot of stuff professionally. I should probably do that again. Although it's mostly would just be snaps of me on my computer. So like, oh, look what I'm working on today. Not real fun yeah. stuff, but maybe. At home with Mindy. Yeah. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Here I am again. So uh, until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.